I'm Norman Therect from Pitch Partners, and I'm joined by Lyndon Dyson, CEO of Wizard Pharmacy Group. Welcome, Lyndon. Hi, Norman. Pleased to be here. Lyndon, um, what have you actually seen as the um, as the challenges over the last two years? I think most definitely the uh, pandemic of uh, COVID and uh, basically the uh, impacts that it's had on frontline healthcare. It's, I know it's had impact on all businesses, but uh, frontline healthcare has been very, very dramatic. Lyndon, did the did the head office of Wizard um, help the stores through the pandemic in terms of rostering and try and manage that ever changing directive that was coming down from government to to the consumer? Yes, Norman, we gave a lot of advice. There was continual change, literally every 24 hours, information coming from Pharmacy Guild, government, uh, both state and federal. So we uh, disseminated a lot of that information, worked extremely long hours in those early uh, weeks and months to get uh, appropriate information on all types of policy changes that we could deliver to our franchisees. And Lyndon, was stock supply and um, delivery okay during that period? Yes, uh, there was incredible uh, shortage of stock for a period there. There was a lot of uh, bulk buying going on on ethical drugs and uh, we were working feverishly to try and accommodate our uh, franchisees with appropriate supply of medications. In some uh, cases, we had to do bulk buying, but, um, you know, it's very difficult times. Yeah, Lyndon, if we think about that period as a, you know, objectively as a period of significant change, um, both in the way we live but also in uh, the way we do business. What are some of the opportunities that, have, that you've seen come out of it now that we've sort of been in a post-pandemic environment? I think uh, the major change has been really around uh, digital integration of um, communication services, um, policies of work for home. Um, those um, had significant impact and continue to have impact in our organisation now. So we've adapted ourselves to accommodate um, you know, the changes in digital connectivity and uh, working from home. Yeah, and, and when we talk about that work from home, that's a really, really great topic to explore because we've got people in a service-based industry, which would be your head of operations working in a, in a remote location, but you've also got the consumer now that is probably working more and more remote than they ever did. And, and are you seeing that impact the customer traffic in the pharmacy? Are you seeing new customers or have you lost customers in some locations? I think what we found is uh, probably more in the aged uh, group. So the uh, people that are in retirement villages and above going into total care, obviously, they've uh, tended to hibernate. Um, we had a lot of uh, people that were regular customers that would be in once every week, uh, 10 days, and they sort of commented about the fact that they would see our teams less than previously. In the context of our office, you know, work from home services purposes, uh, I think some roles are really suited to work from home or can be adapted to work from home. Uh, I'm not a great fan of a continuous uh, work from home, mainly because it's very, very difficult to uh, deliver team culture or maintain team culture. Yes, it is, and 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 people need people. You know, that's... Uh, that's for sure, to maintain culture. Lyndon, if we cast our mind back to um, March 2020 and then through to June 2020, the Guild were in the throes of negotiating the seventh agreement. Um, yeah, the reality is in the, in the circumstances they did an exceptional job um, of delivering that seventh agreement and then pharmacy had to roll it out in very quick time. In the background, though, we've had continual price reductions going on in the dispensary, which have sort of been masked by the activity going on. How has the group been able to grasp and deliver some of the new initiatives under the seventh agreement 
And then the other initiatives, which the Guild has continued to negotiate with government, albeit COVID vaccinations and the uh, rat tests and so on. How how's the uh, group implemented some of that? Well, as I said before, the uh, central entity really worked excessive hours to deliver on all these program changes. We've got three on-star uh, pharmacists full-time that were very helpful in deploying a lot of those programs and assisting in that. So uh, when it came to uh, vaccination protocols, and they kept changing uh, Adhagi, kept uh, sending down numerous um, adjustments to that and continued to this day to do that. So um, it was just a team effort really to uh, make sure that we got uh, that information to our franchisees. They, in their own right, as you know, professional pharmacists, had their responsibility to maintain their competency levels. Um, there was a lot of uh, training elements that came through to uh, get um, vaccination registration certificates ready to go sort of thing. So, yeah, it's a pretty intense time. And plenty of support from, uh, from the office uh, for, for group stores by the sounds of that. Yeah, we had, um, you know, a, as I said, a massive input from our team. There are some nights working till 10, 11 o'clock at night to make sure that we got policy written. Yeah, there's a whole range of protocols that came through around uh, hygiene elements, um, you know, PPE gear. Yeah, you name it. It was very, very changing world. Yes. And in relation to the previous, um, previously available services like meds checks and, and I know clinical interventions um, disappeared in the seventh agreement, but other things like stage supply and so forth, have the, have the group tried to continue with those even in the face of uh, staff shortages and customer anxiousness? Yeah, we have. And uh, it's been quite a bonus in the sense of um, services to the community. But in a remuneration sense, it's also been quite dramatic. We've seen our remuneration almost treble uh, in the sense of professional services uh, revenue. Mm, that's a massive increase. You know, through this um, period of change, um, the customer has changed as well and the way they shop and, and how often they come into pharmacy. What, what's the group done with specific reference to engaging the customers either more regularly or engaging them in a different way? I think one of the fortunate things for Wizard uh, Pharmacy was that we've always um, had a focus on being very, very close to our customers. You know, we have a, a focus around not just um, knowing our customer, but really understanding them. So we've got some very good IT systems. We use Salesforce as a CRM. Um, so we basically collect every transactional um, you know, piece of data from a customer perspective. So we actually can really understand what they're doing and how they're doing it. Uh, that enabled us to keep a very, very strong communication process uh, going, both digitally and face-to-face. Uh, -face. So when customers were um, looking for pieces of information, we spent a lot of time in the digital space to make sure that we were recognised as probably, you know, the first um point of reference on Google where, you know, people were looking for vaccination services, um, you know, hand sanitizers, whatever was sort of the flavour of the month at that particular time. Yeah, that's a, that's a significant investment by a group to take on Salesforce. I mean, that is a big product. Um, with the use of that, do you see the expansion continuing or do you see it sort of capped at your current Usage, you know, I guess what I'm getting at is you, are you going to expand that into a more of a loyalty type focus with customers? Well, we actually do have a loyalty uh, club. Um, and many years ago, we decided to sort of change our focus. We originally started as Wizard Warehouse Pharmacy, but uh, with the knowledge that uh, Chemist Warehouse were going to come into the West Australian state, 
we made a decision back in about 2014 to change the model to be Wizard Pharmacy. And with that, we wanted to be very customer patient centric. So that's when we deployed a lot of IT outcomes such as Salesforce. And we've continued to build on that and we've incorporated a very large reward system and we have a number of major affiliate partners. Um, our primary affiliate partner in this state is the RAC, a 100-year-plus iconic organisation with about 1.2 million members. Our Wizard Rewards membership is about 660,000 members now, so we uh, communicate on a very regular basis with those uh, people. We're moving more and more to delivering content, like meaningful content, to, as I said, a, a customer that we understand. So if we can see that they've got a particular disease state and we've got relevant information that we can deliver to them, um, it is meaningful content that can make a difference um, you know, to their life. You know, our, our simple purpose, uh, the wizard's simple purpose, is to deliver science and nature-based solutions to enhance the quality of life, and that's what we're all about. So moving forward, we continue to focus, uh, particularly in that digital space, around uh, enhancing our connectivity with our customers. And then you touched on a point earlier, which I should probably just explore for a moment, and that is that you used to be Wizard Warehouse Pharmacy. And to make that transition at any point is quite difficult and somewhat of a challenge. What were some of the hurdles that you faced in making the change from warehouse to, in other words, a, a deep value-based offer for the customer? We traded very well as Wizard Warehouse Pharmacy. We had quite strong growth. But uh, from my sort of review of many industries that have uh, deregulated over the different years, and I've been in this for about 50 years now, so I've seen a few different deregulations, I've always found that there's usually one price and product um, uh, domination, and I could see that Chemist Warehouse would do that. So the decision you know, to make that change uh, impacted dramatically on our businesses. We probably lost about um, 12%, 15%, some, some sites up to about 15% uh, drop in turnover. So first two years were tough, um, but it's now starting to reap the rewards, the rewards where uh, we're um, seeing significant growth in both customer count, uh, basket size, you know, our average basket size for a rewards-based customer. And we have two types. We have what we call a, um, a customer who is a wizard customer or wizard rewards and also an RAC. So sometimes they cross-pollinate and we have a combined, but a combined RAC and wizard uh, customer on our loyalty system is spending around about 45 uh, to $48 in a basket size, and that's about 45% higher than just a, a walk-off-the-street type consumer. Yeah, that's significant. That's significant. In that journey of converting from warehouse to a uh, more value offer to the customer, what happened to the space of the pharmacy? Did it decrease or you merely got a, uh, the opportunity to reallocate the space to other activity? In, in Wizard Pharmacy, we've always sort of based ourselves as um, a differentiator. Um, so we look at inventory and we differentiate ourselves by inventory as well. Um, the two... We, we, have four pillars, or we call them four pillars. So we have dispensary and OTC, um, vitamins, nutrition, um, skin care, cosmetics and fragrance, and then foot care, footwear. So mixing amongst the different sites, depending on the demographics of a particular site, we'll mix those uh, particular pillars. The first two that I mentioned are core. So if you're to be a wizard pharmacy, you must have a very strong penetration into obviously dispensary ethical areas and also OTC. 
Um, and then you can start to look at uh, your business model and say, well, look, I want to take on one of the other uh, pillars or you might just stay with the first two, as I said. So we're, we're very broad in our inventory range. Um, you know, our uh, master file has about 160,000 uh, SKUs on it. Um, our average pharmacies are carrying somewhere in the order of between twenty-three and 25,000 SKUs, so it's quite high. Yes, but the return on inventory being the important measure there um, is, in your view, above average? Yeah, our Jim Roy's running, uh, we actually <laughs> had a, a new general manager appointed uh, back about five years ago, general manager of inventory, and um, he's improved our Jim Roy from what was about 0.7 to uh, 2.4, and uh, he's targeting 2.6 uh, this financial year. So we feel pretty happy with our return on investment. Just thinking through that journey, what's the patient response been and, and clearly measured by patient number growth? Yeah, pa- pa- like at that particular time and over the continuing over the last two years, patients have really come close to pharmacy. I think it's one of the, if you like, the, the side benefits of having a pandemic. Um, people have really gravitated to uh, professions that provide quick, easy access um, for information. So we've seen significant improvement in our customer counts, um, our script numbers, uh, engagement, uh, both as a seat in store and uh, digitally. So I think it's been, you know, a side benefit that's dropped out of uh, COVID. Yes, and in terms of the brand, what's the growth desire? Uh, growth, yes, it's always an interesting uh, question. That I think you've got to be very careful uh, with growth. We're we're trying to uh, maintain a sustainable growth activity. Um, our goal is to uh, eventually be national. Um, Wizards an interesting uh, concept in in fact that we have a, uh, a shared equity model. So our franchisees actually share in that uh, equity of the brand if there was ever a liquidity event. The goal in WA is to continue to build. We're currently sitting at around about 40 franchisees in WA. We want to get that to probably around about the 55, 60 over the next 18, uh, 24 months. We've just opened a site in um, Casuarina in Darwin. Um, we're looking for probably another two to four sites up there, uh, a couple of interested parties, and we're also penetrating into South Australia and we've got some very interested parties, about six individual pharmacies that are pretty close to sort of making a decision. Um, whether they fall our way or decide to say where they are, that's always the uh, debate. But uh, I'm hopeful that by Christmas this year, we'll have half a dozen uh, franchisees in South Australia as well. And given your investment in systems and processes that you've developed over the many, many years, is that an easy transition to to roll out into other states? It is now. We're scalable. So as you say, Norman, we've spent a lot of time and effort and money in getting ourselves to the uh, position where we can actually onboard uh, pharmacies fairly easily. Um, we try and balance out that with delivering services. Um, we have three penetrations. We have retail services. We have... Um, we call people and culture, which is a, an interesting area. We deliver um, in some behavioural science um, to uh, improve our team engagement uh, and develop leadership skills. And um, we also have our professional services where we have pharmacists. So we do a lot of penetration into our franchisees, um, I think more so than any other group that's uh, out in the marketplace. Yep. And does that create or allow you to create within the, the brand 
a level of consistent service delivery because that you know one I think one of the hardest things in retail pharmacy in a franchise environment is consistency of delivery. Do you do you see that as a main driver through this this culture? Yes, I do. I, I think uh, particularly the people and culture component. We have a, a program called customer success, um, which is actually based off a of Salesforce uh, concept of customer success, and uh, we've adapted it for pharmacy. So it's quite unique. Um, but it builds out uh, a much better culture at store level and uh, it actually engages our teams to be more responsive to um, the consumer and the consumer demands. A, a friend of mine actually who is a behavioural uh, psychologist who had a consulting business that worked in sort of the big end of town um, decided to sell out uh, of that business after a couple of years of doing nothing, decided to give me a hand and uh, helped uh, build this program and it's worked very successfully. It even actually... I think helped when COVID came along because it actually enabled us to be a little bit more responsive at uh, store level or our team's more responsive in the sense of adapting to change. Um, it's been a very successful program and we continue to build on that. So uh, we've got, um, you know, fully qualified coaches that uh, work in that area that penetrate into our stores and continue to reinforce a cultural element. Um, and I think with our culture uh, or an appropriate culture, organisations don't seem to have uh, the capacity to achieve success. Yes. In, in the current environment, so as we come out of the pandemic, what's the group doing to leverage some of the opportunities in the market now that, you know, COVID vaccinations will continue? Uh, rat tests have sort of probably peaked and they might plateau for a while and then go down. But what's the group doing to leverage the next opportunity at store level, whether that be in an electronic environment or at store level? Well, we continue to focus across those three areas of penetration. As I said, we're continually reviewing inventory outcomes. Uh, we've just brought in what we call uh, a re-range, which is a uh, eco-friendly range. It's having significant success in our pharmacies. We're uh, expanding into um, general medicine areas. We're looking at um, you know, the cannabis products, uh, the uh, smoking cessation, the vaping products. So we sort of continue to expand into all of these uh, inventory areas that relate to patient outcomes. We continue to expand our professional services area and uh, we continue to expand in that area of people and culture. But we're really focusing into um, the mature aged cohort. So the people that are moving into retirement villages, that sort of 55 year old, um, a lot of digital association. I see a great opportunity for pharmacy to provide in-home care services and extending those. So not just medicine delivery, but a whole range of carer services. So we're working with some um, people that have carer facilities that we're looking at expanding the uh, pharmacy services in. Um, we've invested in technology. We're primary investor in, a, uh, in an app called Packapil. Um, that has telehealth. Um, we're delivering that in our regional stores. Um, so we continue to do you know, lots of things in the technical area. And so if we just look at that Packapil um, opportunity, uh, Lyndon, and is that the easiest way for the customer to transact with you online or are there other opportunities in the group for them to communicate and transact with you? We have our own online store, um, but with Packapil we've actually integrated with uh, their app so that the uh, purchases are actually also uh, connected to our reward system. So people that buy a pack of pill will actually get uh, connectivity to our reward system. 
um, on top of uh, our online store, we'll actually be rebuilding that uh, this coming 12 months. We're just doing a strategic review of what we want to do around that area. So probably we'll spend the next three or four months doing that review and then commit to building um, in the second quarter of next year um, with the idea of delivering that by about uh, last quarter of the fin year. Yeah, that's interesting because the some customers want to deal in wine, but um, and it's, but some certainly don't still want to come into the pharmacy. So it's a good uh, mix of business. Can I ask you, how do you see the future of pharmacy? I think it's very positive. Um, I think uh, with the way that uh, the industry's handled itself over COVID, I think it's actually positioned itself quite strongly in the eyes of uh, government community. Um, so I think we're enjoying the benefits of that and you're seeing significant support coming from both state and uh, federal government, even in you know, the election that just passed, both parties you know, uh, agreeing to reduce the uh, co-payment. Um, yeah, that's never happened before. It's quite a significant event. So, yeah, I think there's a very positive outcome for pharmacy. I think one of the biggest problems that, uh, or biggest challenges is resourcing, um, you know, professionals. And uh, I'm hoping that uh, government can facilitate that by allowing, um, you know, external procurement from overseas uh, to bring in health professionals, not just in pharmacy, but in all health professions. There's a lot of fatigue in our industry. I think um, you know, I'm seeing that on a daily basis with our franchisees. So, yeah, it's pretty impacting. That's great, Lyndon. Thank you. How many thanks, Norman? I'm Norman Thurek, and I've been in conversation with Lyndon Dyson, CEO of Wizard Pharmacy Group.